Hello, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, author of quite a few cycling books, writer of pretty much everything fitness-related, doer of most things fitness-related, and in Belgium for the next five weeks. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a kinesiologist from Ontario, Canada, and I suppose I am with Molly, so <laughs> I am also in Belgium. Yeah, we've had a pretty good uh, consummate athlete weekend, I guess. We flew over here on Friday overnight. We were in London for a few days, and then yesterday we made our way to Belgium, where we're now living in what seems to be a fairy tale cottage in the middle of the woods with uh, uh, racer Ellen Noble, who was third at Trek Waterloo Cyclocross World Cup, if you follow cyclocross at all. Um, And on the topic of cyclocross, I am so freaking excited about today's episode. Yeah, we have uh, Katerina Nash. Yeah, Katerina Nash, if you remember from the Danelle Kabush episode, was Danelle's pick of someone we should absolutely talk to. Uh, Conveniently, I had also thought that, so we were already in the process of setting that up. Uh, But just the fact that all of us were chomping at the bit to get her on the podcast sort of goes to show she's an excellent person to talk to. Uh, So for those of you who don't know Katerina, she started as a cross-country skier, but very quickly kind of shifted into cross-country mountain biking, uh, found her way to cyclocross, and she's been a pro racer for two decades. She's done five Olympic cycles, which is insane. And In both sports. In both sports, yeah, counting uh, cross-country skiing and mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And arguably most impressively in Rio in 2016, she was actually fifth place in the women's mountain bike race, which is bananas. Yeah, and only like a matter of seconds off the podium. It was very tight. Yeah, so super, super cool. You know, tons and tons of results. I I can't even list all of them. And she won actually in Iowa City for the World Cup in cyclocross this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone that can actually manage to stay at the top of podiums in mountain biking and then come into cyclocross season and still be winning races. That's a lot of racing. It is, and she says, you know, she really likes the racing. It's what she enjoys, and but she has a really good. Uh... I guess, way of dealing with it, you know, the balance, I think. And she talks about how that doesn't come instantly. It's not something she was perfect at as a youth skier. Um, I do love that. But that's just her long-term focus, right? Is, Mm -hmm. is, I think, you know, a good message for all of us to remember that it doesn't happen overnight. And yeah. Yeah. At the end, she mentions, I'll just like throw a spoiler in. She mentions that often people come up and ask how she can stay so calm and collected during races and just be so focused. And she's like, well, 20 years of racing will sort of help you dial <laughs> those things in. I think like, uh, you should have seen the first 15 years or something like that. Yeah. But... She's also just hilarious and a super fun person to chat with and also helps me in my quest to get us a dog because she's very pro couples getting a dog. <clears throat> us getting a dog actually (laughs) yeah yeah so on another topic she uh gives us some things about you know what worked and what you you know what's different now as she's you know getting towards her i guess third decade of training is that true well we'll be in like 21 years or so yeah so that's the third decade getting to that so you know things that work when you're you're 20 or 15 don't work quite as well you know when you're 30 Um, very depressing so, yeah, so it's really interesting. I think, you know, regardless of whether you cross-country ski or mountain bike or race cross-country. Um, yeah, it's just a super interesting episode. Probably the most most balanced 
consummate athlete who still like trains super hard at a crazy high level, but has probably one of the best perspectives on balance in sport and life that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I can safely say that's not just what she said on this show. Like having seen her race, she's one of the racer, few racers I'd say that I've been interviewing since I started in covering cyclocross actually almost a decade ago. Um, she's one of the very few people that's still in it and still actually like in the same position in the field. Like, I think the amount of times I've interviewed her and been like, how did the race play out today for your win? Uh, is just, it's gotta be in the dozens, if not over 50 at this point. Right. Yeah. Well, and she puts in a good plug for walking as well. So I think as far as consummate athlete, you know, it's interesting because she's at a very elite level, you know, in a very specialized sport, but you know, she talks about the importance of walking and her dogs and, and things like this. So I yeah, think, she said she walks eight to 10 hours a week, which well, like an hour a day, which I, I don't think is, you know, if you have a dog, there's a lot of people that probably when they think about it, probably around that, but she's up at altitude and mountains and her dogs are pretty fast dogs, I think too. Beachlows, so. yeah, they so. tend to be. So anyhow, let's let the people enjoy that. I'm, I'm going to have you do your own introduction because how are you introducing yourself these days as far as what you do? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, that's a, I don't know. My name is Katarina Nash and I'm a bike racer and I like to ride my bike and hang out with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's maybe slightly underselling it a little bit. Um, you've already had, I mean, a pretty amazing cyclocross season this year. Um, you know, I also honestly did not realize how well you finished at the 2016 Rio Olympics until I started digging in to get background for, for doing this show. <laughs> Um, because I feel like that was kind of underplayed. But you got fifth in Rio, which is your fifth Olympic cycle. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was by far my best one. I've, uh, you know, I've been I've been to few, and I've had some uh, some good events, some heartbreaking ones. And Rio was not on my mind. Like I finished the race in London, I was like, nope, never doing this again, never, <laughs> never going back. And uh, and I think most people kind of like didn't believe me, but I believed myself until. You know, until the spring of last year when I kind of helped the Czech Republic get back into the ranking and earn the spot for the nation. And it wasn't really up to the point that the national team coach came up to me and said, you're going to Rio, I selected you. You know, (laughs) there was like no arguing with that. So at that point, uh, you know, I took I took like. I don't know, three years and uh, let's see, and 10 months, I guess, well, more like nine months. Uh, I took off from thinking about the Olympics and it was super refreshing, you know, and I watched <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people being not stressed, but focused, you know, it's a big lead out. And I was like, I'm not going, I'm just not going to put myself through this again. I had a bad race in London and I don't want to, you know, I'm too vulnerable. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Um, I did have a really good race. I had a really good time in Rio and it was just, uh, yeah, I felt really good about the fact that I, you know, I put myself out there once again and, 
you know, and, and reason with the fact that it's like, well, you know, what happens if you have a bad race? You kind of bummed out and life goes on. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, that happens again? Well, no big deal. You know how to deal with it. So, uh, it was, it was really fun to go to Rio, have a good ride and just kind of like walk away from that with good feeling. Um, I was very close to the medal. I was right behind the two Canadians. Uh, they were fighting for the bronze medal and, uh, you know, not, not far off, but, uh, you know, didn't, didn't reach that goal. Uh, but I keep reminding myself the feeling crossing the finish line, like just being so happy with the day where I did everything, you know, everything right. I didn't make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, I had a really flawless day. And, you know, you become pretty analytical uh, later on and what could have done differently and this and that. And then, you know, to this day, I just keep reminding myself, the feeling across the finish line, the sense of accomplishment and excitement. And, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that, that one. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't realize it only because, you know, normally we'd be watching that, but that hap- we for some reason decided to pick that day for our wedding which was terrible because it meant we actually lost a fair amount of like wedding guests and we missed watching it because it was happening pretty much as we were getting married so normally I would have seen that but yeah it wasn't until I started reading the race reports and all of a sudden I'm like wait a second didn't realize like how close you were to that it's insane I feel like that got very downplayed or I'm surprised I didn't see that on more cyclocross sites because, you know, uh, I, I think of yeah, you now I, more as like a cyclocross racer, but then all of a sudden there you are, I mean, winning mountain bike world cups, but also finishing fifth in the freaking Olympics. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of float in between the worlds now, you know, I feel like I don't quite fit in anywhere anymore <laughs> or I fit in all of that cyclocross. <laughs> You know, before I was definitely a lot more of a mountain biker, but I've been pretty serious about cross last few years. So I'm now more accepted by the cross world, but then they still go like, well, hold on, why aren't you racing every weekend? And I'm like, well, I've already raced for six months. i got to pace myself, you know? So yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting balance where, you know, I don't know. I like I like both sports, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I get to, uh, I get to play, you know, in both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get into how you got started in sport, but first I have to go back to when you were talking about the Olympics, you talked about kind of having a bit more of like a relaxed attitude almost towards it. Do you think that's kind of been one of the secrets to your success in sport? Like throughout these years is that you're just, I don't know, tough, like really (laughs) chill about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Absolutely, but that didn't really, you know, it wasn't maybe part of my approach early mm-hmm. on. I, I definitely, I came through a very structured environment, and uh, I wasn't always <clears throat> as relaxed, but as as you mature and as you kind of go through all the great days and all the hard days and, and like, anything you can think of happening in the training or racing uh, has kind of happened to me mm-hmm. except for bad injuries I have to say I've Ooh, been knock very on wood. to stay healthy and do that but you know like the uh, you know the, the mechanical last minute and losing a medal and overtraining and like everything I've done I've been there and you know like you get to a point in your career where you're just like well you know those 
it's part of the game. It's just going to happen. You deal with it when it does. Uh, but meantime, just go out there and enjoy it. Don't stress about something that you can't really, uh, you know, completely predict or avoid or, you know, just, just kind of having a more relaxing balance about it. And mm-hmm. uh, I do I do have to say that I, I definitely, you know, I put in the hard work and maybe it appears like I don't, you know, like I don't, I don't come home and I don't tweet or upload any of my workouts. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, been there, done that, I want to move on. Like, I don't want to keep talking about it, so to speak. But I do, you know, I obviously do the hard work and then I, I make time to play and that that's what I talk about. You know, I spend most of my days just, you know, hang out with my dogs after the bike ride or drinking <laughs> wine with friends. <laughs> and that's what I will talk about because that's interesting. I, I kind of skip the part of the hard training because that's that's just what you do as a as an athlete you know you don't you know I don't think uh, talking about bike ride in the rain makes you heroic you know I think mm-hmm. it's kind of like a choice you make well you could be a accountant and sit in the nice warm office or you're going to be a bike racer and you better deal with this you know? <laughs> so, yeah um, <laughs> I think I'll take the rain know, over the accountant job <laughs> any day yeah <laughs> For sure, me too, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I do the hard work, but I do have a good kind of balance approach. And I know there's those days that you have to get your intervals done. And then there's all those other rides where I would rather be on a group ride that may not be perfectly fa- fast or perfectly slow or this or that. But it's it's a social environment that I'd enjoy. And then, you know, and, and that's that's where I'm going to be. Um, so mixing that very serious with very laid back approach, and mm-hmm. that has worked for me in uh, later in my career for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I think my favorite thing was actually seeing you after you won the Iowa World Cup this year, and you were the only one drinking wine at dinner in that big group you were with. Yeah, I like, I she's know. my hero. It's, uh, it's been adjustment, you know. Definitely, um, I. Felt bad being uh, the only one who enjoys a uh, glass of wine here and there. But then, you know, like, I got to the point, I was just like, we're downtown Madrid. Where am I going to sit in this beautiful square? We just finished a World Cup. Well, let's we'll have a drink. And mm-hmm. nobody was like, no. And I was like, okay, I'll just drink by myself. And <laughs> <laughs> I got totally used to that. And, you know, I'll make sure it's appropriate we have a lot of young and um young athletes in our team and you know i don't have bottle of wine i have a glass mm-hmm. <laughs> but i do i do enjoy it people know about me and you know it comes i don't know it just helps me to relax it's not uh hopefully not a strong addiction but it's uh <laughs> you know i'd like to celebrate life mm-hmm. every day with glass or two of mm-hmm. wine <laughs> and it's all good I like that because, I mean, to me, you're not distracted, I guess, by kind of some kind of like the dietary restriction of like, oh, I'm not drinking, but I'd really I'd really like to have that glass of wine or like, oh, I'm doing gluten free, but that pastry looks amazing or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certain balance that I'm, you know, I'm a really healthy eater. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I kind of substitute for not having french fries or the things that i don't really enjoy i 
just kind of have that glass of wine instead. You mm-hmm. know, there's just space where my ideal dinner would be like salad, wine, and dessert. <laughs> Sounds pretty pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to back way, way, way up to when you were 17 and a cross-country skier, because I think a lot of people don't actually realize that at this point, that you started out in cross-country skiing. So can you give like the brief background for yeah growing up in the Czech Republic and starting cross-country skiing and then how you shifted into cross-country mountain biking? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, for me, it was a pretty easy transition because as a cross-country skier, you do a lot of different things in the summer. The off-season, you know, the season where you're like preparing for Nordic skiing is spent by doing the very, very fun kind of versatile training, you know, anything from running, strength, cycling, um, you know, my club, we got into track and field, we played all kinds of basketball and all kinds of games, I I was also a gymnast as a kid, so I I just liked variety and um, got to got to try a lot of different sports as a kid growing up in Eastern Europe, which was pretty awesome because one good thing about Eastern Europe back then was that it was easy to try anything because there was a, you know, there was a ski club. Mm-hmm. You would walk in there in the fall and there would be, I mean, not great equipment, but there was equipment and you would pick what fits and you could try the sport and you could do that with any kind of sport without investing the money into it or your family going out and buying you all this stuff, you know. So, um, Anyway, that's that's kind of how I got into the sport. <laughs> and uh, and the, the bicycle was interesting because I think from day one, you know, like I got on the bike, I learned how to ride it. And, you know, I, did, I wasn't a huge fan of running. I loved skiing, all kinds of sliding and that kind of stuff. But getting on the bike was just so natural. And I was, like, really enjoying from from the beginning. And I think it was the the fact that you could, like get so much further away you know like you could you you could run pretty far as a skier because we did a lot of it many hours per week but like you know you, you hop on the bike and suddenly you're in a different town and you can you know when the borders open up we would just ride to germany for you know half a day mm-hmm. and so it was it was i don't know it was just always something about the bike that kind of kept me going and then opportunity came up in high school to join a mountain bike club and I did and they you know they provided uh, they provided us with our first mountain bikes and uh, yeah I just kind of took off from there (laughs) and you did your first mountain bike Olympics in Atlanta in 1996 I did yes I was a full-time skier but uh, maybe uh, so a year before that I went to junior world championship in Germany for mountain biking and I I got silver medal there and I was uh that was a big deal because I was a pretty good skier but I couldn't crack all the uh Russians and all the uh, <laughs> problem a lot of us Russians, face yeah young athletes so I was always like fourth you know like mm-hmm. for two years in the row and the skiing the age is a little bit different so I got to go to junior world championship four times and I never 
got individual medal. I was always there, and it was like Russian, Estonian, and you know, I was like, God damn it, why is this guy so good? You know. <laughs> uh, and then two years later, they were winning World Cup on the you know in the elite ranks, and I'm. 40th, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, t- tough upbringing yeah, <laughs> for the <geez>. mental <laughs> state. But um, anyway, so I, I went to, you know, cycling world championship and I got a medal and I really, you know, I, I didn't just like enjoy the success, I enjoyed the sport. It was back in the 90s, it was so exciting and there was like, you know, there's money in it and equipment and I don't know, it was just fun to ride bike through the woods like I love riding bike before that but now you put me on the mountain bike and I was like this is awesome this is what I want to do you know mm-hmm. so I did I did that and then went on did my skiing thing all winter long and uh uh essentially the qualification I got into the pool because the qualification pool because of the medal but then the qualification was like early spring world cups and I think there were three of them and so there were two of us fighting for the position. And I remember first race, I don't know, we were pretty close. Second race, maybe I did better. And the third race was completely muddy, and we had to run half of it. And I was just coming out of a ski ski season and being a cross-country skier. So I actually, I feel like I essentially ran my way into the Olympics <laughs> for um, so yeah, so I went um, to Atlanta and did that, and it was super overwhelming, but really, really fun. And uh, after that, I kind of returned to full-time ski racing for many, many years before really finally switching to cycling full-time in 2002. Okay, and that's when you signed with Luna, right? Correct, yeah. So I was reading that you're their longest-running athlete. <laughs> yes, I just as of this morning, sign uh, a contract for 2018. Oh, man. It's my 17th year on the team. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Do you know of any other people who've gone to the, like, gone to the Olympics five times or been on the same team for that Uh, long? I feel like you might be one of the very few. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I think there might be few. I mean, there's definitely a few people that combined the Summer Winter Olympics, you know, which mm-hmm. kind of helped, helps you to add those Olympics a little True. bit quicker. <laughs> um, so when did... No, I don't know if there are any teams that been around, like been around yeah. as long as 17 years. You know, I think... It, that itself is quite amazing, and I'm, you know, so thankful to be part of Cliff Pro Team now, which used to be Luna Team, and for the ongoing support that we, I've been able to enjoy for so many years. <laughs> and I mean, that team has put out so many amazing female racers. It's crazy. For sure, yeah, yeah. It's been, um, yeah, it's been great to kind of start as the, you know. As uh, as the young punk <laughs> back in the day, and you know now I'm by by far the oldest one on the team. <laughs> well, now it's it's primarily younger riders, right? Um, yeah, I mean we still have our 
hardcore group, you know, with Catherine Pendrell mm-hmm. and Leah, Leah being the new addition to the team. So there's there's few of us that are in our 30s. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, definitely the team, you know, has to has to start start kind of I don't want to say from beginning, but kind of start taking um, care of the development rider, and they've done a really good job uh, selecting the young riders that are on the team now. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a, it's a good it's a good balance, you know, because obviously what what is going to happen to the older generation is that you know we'll we'll eventually move on <laughs> and. Uh, and it's uh, it's a good mix to be able to share some of the some of the skills and knowledge with the young riders that will mm-hmm. you know start coming up through the ranks and uh, I don't know it's that's kind of been the funnest thing about um, this last probably year and a half it's been traveling with Magali and be able to to kind of uh, show her the few things I've learned over the years and you know and see. Uh, and just seeing how she's been applying it and kicking butt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really grown as an athlete in the last couple of years, for sure. Yeah, like a ton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> which, which brings me to, so you were mountain biking, but then when did cyclocross come into the picture? Because, I mean, we also can't forget all of your ridiculous amounts of accomplishments there. I'm like, okay, how many World Cup wins is it? And bronze medals at Worlds and... So I, you know, (laughs) myself and, you know, all my cyclocross fans, uh, they, you know, they can say thank you to Georgia Gould because she's the one who essentially helped me to get on this whole cyclocross thing. So I grew up in Czech Republic, which that's, you know, cross is big, big, big deal out there. I've never, uh, you know, I've never until I moved out here, I never knew about women's racing. Uh, I think it was Allison Dunlop was heading to national championship uh, one of the years that I was on the team with her. And I was like, hold on, you you race cyclocross? (laughs) That that sounds so cool because, you know, I watch all these. I mean, there is cyclocross race on TV every weekend. You know, that's, I mean, I watched that as a kid, and I always thought that was the coolest thing, but there were no opportunities for us back in the day. So at a certain point, and I think it was when Georgia joined uh, Luna in 2006, I believe, she was already, you know, a couple seasons um, into cyclocross, and then part of the team was heading towards Xterra, and there was this kind of pressure to do more on top of mountain biking and mm-hmm. I was quick to point out that no way am I gonna swim in the pool back and forth and <laughs> that so, <laughs> uh, I'm very very much outdoors kind of exercise I, I hate the indoor don't go to gym and any of those things so anyway so I was like cyclocross sounds so amazing and so off we go you know I think uh my first cyclocross race was Gloucester, and day before day before the race, we're we're out there practicing remounts, dismounts, and you know, working working the pits and how you do it. And um, my like one of my fondest memories of <laughs> this early cyclocross uh, practice was uh, you know going through the pits and 
Valdek and Dusty thought it would be hilarious to give me George's bike instead of mine, <laughs> you know? So, um, I'm kind of new to hopping on the bike, and now I'm going from, like, 48 frame to 54, and you know, I'm, not even, <laughs> I'm not even realizing that until I'm, like, trying to jump on this bike. So, um, no, it was... It was a lot of fun, and I, you know, I raced the next, raced the next day, and just realized that 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 was what I've been looking for my whole cycling career. <laughs> it was, it was cyclocross, and I never really, uh, you know, uh, I haven't stopped since then. I I made it a priority, even even in the time where my team was more focused on the mountain biking. You know, I would get all my all my stuff done on the mountain bike. But figure out a way to get on the cross bike and keep keep racing year round. That your upbringing and there not being you know the opportunities for women um, is sort of it's it's quite a difference versus like the Luna environment where it's very supportive of women. Um, looking back on that upbringing, how do you how do you look back on that? Like, do you think it it formed you as like it obviously formed you as a person, but. Do you think it formed you as an athlete? Like, has it has it helped you in hindsight? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, like, um, like Eastern Europe had a great environment for female athletes. There wasn't really, uh, you know, big big discrepancy. There were a lot of opportunities and equal opportunities for female athletes. Uh, it just wasn't cyclocross, which was, you know, that was dictated by UCI not having women's uh category back then you know so it wasn't specific to eastern europe it was just more coming from the top of the sport and that has you know that has changed drastically in whatever last 15 years you know and now i mean the european championship was in tabor last weekend we had so many U23 racers and i'm sure there's so many that were left out of the team because they couldn't compete you know so it's been it's definitely been fun to see the the way the sport has taken off as soon as the women's category has been added and now it's just as equally important as it is in mountain biking or cross-country skiing or any anything like that so i don't i can't really say i felt like uh there were an opportunities for me growing up as an athlete uh because uh, you know, we had quite quite good opportunities. If you were a good, talented athlete, uh, the opportunities were there. And I mean, I am definitely a proof of that. You know, right? Mm-hmm. So, were you? You said you did gymnastics early. You, you were obviously better at cross country skiing, or or was there like a gymnastics <laughs> career you gave up for cross country skiing? Uh, I think it comes back to that kind of being outdoor and doing stuff outside. Uh, I don't think I was going to take my gymnastic career too far because I was definitely a pretty active kid, and I remember all the coaches yelling at me for not being flexible enough because, you know, I already had muscles. Like, and when you, like, once you build muscles, it's hard to kind of keep the, you know, mm-hmm. um, and also do the stuff. But I, I did gymnastics as a little, little kid. I probably was done by, uh, you know, I don't know, eight, nine years old, I was probably done with gymnastics. And um, I, I don't think I enjoyed the judged environment, like both the training 
and the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do think that was one of the best sports that I could do as a child and really has given me kind of that uh, balance, flexibility, and ability to <clears throat> to do many other sports, you know. And um, so it was it was good. But we, we did have a amazing ski coach, and he was just – he was so fun. He was um, so adventurous. And I grew up in south southwestern uh, corner of Czechoslovakia, so right on the border with western Germany. And we would, um, on our summer bicycle adventures through the woods, we would definitely get into these places that we were not supposed to be, you know, <laughs> way too close to the border. But this guy figured out, he's like, hey, if I'm... I'm caught with like 30 little kids. Hopefully they just don't, you know, they don't put us in jail. You know, maybe I can get a, get away with it. So we kind of explore this mountain ranch where I grew up uh, way before like my parents got to do it because, because of this ski coach. And so I think the adventure, the fun element of, you know, either skiing places or riding your bike or hiking places that that ultimately won my attention and that that's kind of what I've been doing ever since and uh, gave up on the show up at the gym in the cute outfit and make sure you look cute I was not into that <laughs> so you talk about adventure um and you, and you mentioned the this last Olympics and sort of the you know you were obviously fit and winning races and competing and training hard but not specifically for the Olympics. Um, and then you also mentioned sort of doing group rides versus, you know, sometimes you have to do intervals, but sometimes, you know, you can do more fun or adventurous sort of rides. I wonder, is that, is that a large part of your training philosophy that, you know, you're sort of generally fit, you know, pretty fit, you know, things moving forward, um, but not super concerned about an event until, you know, that event presents itself or it's that time of year? Hmm. I well, hard to tell. I mean, I'm um, I'm coached by CTS athlete, uh, CTS coach um, Dean Golich that was right. on your podcast yes. a while back, and we we worked together for a really long time. So I definitely I thrive on that structured training. You know, I I I need that. I can't just go out there and kind of be like, oh, I'm gonna ride my bike today. You know, mm-hmm. I I need. I need and I appreciate that structure that Dean has brought into my training. But even with that, you know, you're looking at few workouts per week that are structured that way. The rest kind of gives you a little bit of a freedom, especially especially now that I, I think I've worked with Dean for over 15 years. So we have a really good system in place where, you know, we don't talk daily. We don't check in unless there's need to check in and talk about it, you know, but the big picture that Dean built into the training, you know, that is always set up with a goal in mind, you know, and I know that he knows that. So it's, it's not really, the training is still very structured, very focused, but I think the life around it is at least from my perspective, it's kind of, it's kind of that good good balance, you know. I take, you know, I might take a couple of days, three, four days, even upload my garment. You know, I don't get home and like I don't 
care about those numbers. You know, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of new to like training with power for probably last four years, and it's kind of you know I'm still learning a little bit about it. It was interesting to add it to my training that's been for so long based on the heart monitor and a feeling. You know, now you're throwing in another another number, and uh, you know, like there's been days where it's just like look at all these numbers, at all these overwhelming numbers, and then I go like, hmm, average temperature, 7, 8, cool. All right, let's go for a hike. You know, like, <laughs> not, not paying attention to the important stuff, but, you know, a combination of kind of Dean looking at it and me really knowing myself and knowing what it takes to be an athlete and what it takes to be fit and get prepared for events, you know, sometimes... Some people need those numbers. Some people can tell, like, okay, this is how I, you know, this is how I get there. This is what I have to do. And really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the number is on your, you know, in your file or anything like that, as long as you get the work done. So mm. it's, uh, I, I'm definitely not going to say that my approach is super laid back and that I don't, I just kind of get up and go do something that's not not the case whatsoever it's very very focused but it's also kind of it's got enough room to sort of play and and make sure that I enjoy it you know I'm at that point that I'm just like I need to enjoy it otherwise I need to move on and do something else right no I I think you're you're on the same page as to what I was thinking I maybe didn't verbalize it but that you know, even just not uploading your garment, like you're showing up and you're doing the work and I'm sure it's tremendous work, um, most days, but you know, short of the weeks ahead of the Olympics, maybe where, you know, you're a little more on that razor's edge, you know, you're, you're showing up and you're doing the work that you can do each day. For sure. For sure. I, mm-hmm. I definitely cut down on my wine consumption. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, it, it is. It's like you, once again, you know what you need to do and then like you get more tense. But I just like for me, it is important to take these um, blocks within the year, which, you know, that could be on any given year has been 10 to 11 months of racing. I'm not... I'm not there every weekend, but I am there throughout the year quite a bit, and I'm I'm one of those racers that, like, I like to do well. I don't, you know, I may be tired from training and whatnot, but I don't like to show up for a race and be like, oh, this is just a training race, you know, no right. big deal. Like, to me, it's like, it's a big deal, you know. <laughs> I show up for local events, and I want to do well. So, um uh, you know, but you can have that same focus for 11 months, you know, so I do, you know, I kind of do disappear, I do my training and local events and kind of live regular life that doesn't involve, not everything around evolves around being a professional athlete and that's that's my way to relax and get prepared for the more intense part of the season. Right. If that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. And I like that you talked about even just the undulation during the week. I think a lot of people miss, right? Like they think you're a pro, so you're doing intervals every single day of the week and then somehow racing on the weekend. And, you know, your, your thought about, you know, there's the day for your endurance ride where you can do a little more adventure and conversation. And then there's, you know, those one, two, maybe three days a week of, of those more focused intervals, um, I think is a good message. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned the frequency of, of racing. And I think that's another place, the, you know, the age groupers, the, the rest of us where, you know, they, we all want to race and go out to those group rides and do the weekly race as well. And so people end up racing like 30 times, you know, and these are people with jobs and kids and, you know, they want to race 30 mm-hmm. times in a season. And this isn't even 11 months. This might be, you know, the, the summer months in, in Canada or North America where it's, you know, six months really. Um, I don't know if there's enough weeks for that. 30. How many yeah, is 30 I, mean, weeks? I think it's like double weekend. Well, and sure. yeah. And like I consider even those weekly races where people are like their ego is full on the line. Uh, right? Wednesday night worlds. Yeah. The Wednesday night worlds. Um, <laughs> so I guess for you, do you feel like that frequency is something that you, you've learned in the last few years or, or are you even just in general that you would attribute to your success, you know, over your whole career? Well, I have to, I have to admit, like I, I look at pure cross or pure mountain bikers and I know people kind of mix and mix and match or roadies and, but I, I'm kind of to the point that I can't imagine being just one. Like I can't imagine like pack things up in September and then like not race until, you know, March. Like, what do you do? Like, (laughs) that's that's a lot of, that's a lot of training you have to do, you know? So I have to say like at this point in my life, like I would rather be racing than doing intervals, you know, and like give me a race any given day. Like there's a fun weekend of racing and it's like Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. And Dean was like, no, 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 we need to, we need to finish these intervals. You need to, do that so you can only race saturday sunday i'm kind of like darn it i would rather i'd rather go out and race on friday night you know so uh that's kind of my thing like i think i enjoy the racing and i've done lots of lots of training over the years you know i've I've, i have been an athlete since i was uh like pretty serious and athletes in high school when I went to ski academy and there was you know there was structured training from 14 um so I've done plenty of training, but the, the fun thing is that I do I do enjoy the racing. It's kind of the reward, the benefit. So um, I I don't I don't mind to line up and race, even if I'm not like perfectly you know perfectly prepared. I also think that it's a good way to get prepared for the next race. You know, just getting your <laughs> ass kicked uh, by mm-hmm. somebody else. So, right. uh, but. You do have to make sure, like, that you can handle it mentally, you know, because it is also kind of hard. And I I can't imagine being on the road for 11 months, you know. I, like I said before, I need those big chunks of living normal life where you're sleeping in your own bed and not not spending, you know, hours and hours at the airport and commuting and, you know, living in the hotel and all of that. So a lot of my racing, you know, I might race a lot throughout the year, but a lot of the racing I've been doing last few years also happens, you know, like driving distance and just local stuff. And I approach it like it's it's a big race, even though it's, you know, just a local event, but the effort is the same. And um, so that that kind of combination is good for me mainly to I'll do anything not to have to do intervals (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm right there with you to be totally honest I would probably rather yeah see I'm the opposite I would do intervals and just go out and train any day the racing I find much Ah. better 
Peter pretty much races strictly so he has a reason to train, but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's interesting. We all have kind of a little different approach to it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering, is there anything that you have done over the years? Like, is there something that used to work for you, you know, maybe five, ten years ago that you've had to change, you know, over time? Like, Let's, let's be honest, you know, we're, we're not getting any younger. I can't train the same way I did when I was 20, so I'm wondering if you can. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, so at the end of my uh, essentially ski career before I, I came over to United States on skiing scholarship to, to study at the university, I trained um, in a very, very small group. It was just two two athletes with one coach, and it was probably – the most brutal, the hardest three years of my training life. And I, you know, it was, it was definitely intense. Maybe the hours weren't the same that I kind of do on the bike, but the intensity, everything was just intensity because the ski racing, we're talking five and 10 K is the majority of the racing you get to do. You know, there's 15 K every now and then there's 30 K maybe twice a year, but like, five and 10 K you're doing twice a week, you know, and that's, you know, with fast snow, five K that's anywhere from 12 minutes up, you know? So that's, that's, that's a full on sprint, you know? So the Mm -hmm. training is kind of targeted towards a lot of that intensity. And so, um, yeah, I, I look at, I look back at this period of my life as, uh, we lived in mountains and we did nothing else than just like, work out before breakfast, work out before lunch, work out after lunch, and sometimes work out after dinner, you know, three, four sessions a day. And all you do is just, like, come home, change, eat, shower, come home, change, stretch, do, you know, and it was just, like, that was your life. So I don't think I ever train as hard. Neither do I know it's the most effective way for the sport I'm doing right now. You know, I love the fact that you can just get on your bike, get three to five hours, be done with it and still have a half a day to do other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't train as hard. The one thing that I did have to work on for a really, really long time that we sort of identified with Dean that I was lacking was that I had the intensity and that, that really showed in my short track racing. Anybody remembers those years, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> so I could, you know, I could like show up for short track and just like, you know, win most of them for a period of time there. But I was, you know, struggling to make top five on the, in the cross country race. So I just, I took, I took a, a long time to improve in that, like, lactate threshold you know the kind of race pace for back then two hours uh, mm-hmm. so that was that was something I had to work on really hard and I still do I mean that's how that's how I get ready for mountain bike events you know it's just like I do climbing repeats after climbing repeats after climbing repeats <laughs> Dean's favorite work <laughs> and and it's hard but it's it got me where I needed to get with the intensity, you know, like cyclocross or the short track or let's say, you know, any, anything in between that, like a time trial or anything shorter, uh, that, that comes around pretty quickly. You know, I don't have a, even if I don't do it for a while, I do 
couple little sessions or a couple of races and it comes back. So that that was the one thing I really had to work hard for most of my pure mountain biking um, career. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, as you mentioned, the, the aging process or uh, getting older, uh, the recovery is definitely a lot slower. And so you have to work that into the trading, into the hours and uh, you know, and kind of play around with that. But the great thing about it is it's like, you know, you kind of, <laughs> you, you kind of like, you, I don't want to say you don't work as hard because you still do, but there's just like that little piece that, you know, like that little extra half an hour or an hour spin. Sometimes they just don't, they're not a big deal. And if you skip them, it it's not the end of the world. You know, sometimes it's just, I kind of judge it by if I'm not excited to get on my bike and just like even changing or coming up with way I'm going to ride or what am I going to do, then I take a day off, you know, and mentally that helped me so much. Mm-hmm. Having said that, maybe 10 years ago, I couldn't mentally be okay with that. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to do an hour ride today or two-hour spin, and I need to go do it. And if I don't do it, that's the end of the world, and I'm not going to be good. <laughs> 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 it's kind of that that focus, or, you know, or I just kind of like I, I go and I just jump on my cruiser bike and run errands and I'm like well I still got on my bike it wasn't a it wasn't a workout but I got on my bike and I feel fine I got outside and got some exercise and mentally it was more refreshing than just riding you know like mm-hmm. that for an hour or something like that so yeah I play kind of games with myself with my mind. <laughs> I to love re- that <laughs> reinvent the workout you know <laughs> mm-hmm. how long have you had your dogs because that must be you know i really taken into walking without dogs. Molly's trying to uh, add dogs That's going to gonna change equation. in a few months. But uh, in the last couple of years, I've really got into walking. Um, and I, I would say it's replaced most of my easier spins and even some of my endurance um, yeah. as far as biking. And I just enjoy it. And it's, you know, I go do errands or Molly and I spend time together or we go on hikes or whatever. So I found that it actually like as a low end aerobic sort of mm-hmm. work, we'll call mm-hmm. it a workout for my, my athlete ego, but uh, how, how long have the dogs been part of your, your we'll call it, training regimen? Uh, so Lola's eight, eight and a half, and Ruby seven and a half. So, I, you know, they they came came around as little puppies so for a long time. And I, 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 I can't wait for you guys to get a dog. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's, it really, like, to me, it's like, yeah, some days are harder because you had a hard ride and now we have to go out and, get the dogs out and you know you're really tired but like you say it's like it's so fun to be out and I probably which most cyclists think this is crazy but I probably walk or hike anywhere between eight to ten hours a week you know sometimes more so I definitely I'm on my feet all the time but I I really really enjoy it especially hiking is awesome because you uh you know let's say uh summer in Tahoe you're already at altitude and even hiking is a good workout you know mm-hmm. you come back and you you do get your heart rate a little higher and you come back a little tired but the dogs just make it so much fun because they're kind of they're the leaders that day they 
stay out there, you know, like exploring and chasing things. And it's like, it's a lot better than watching TV or anything, just watching your dogs interact and, you know, chase things and chipmunks and smell things and just kind of having fun being a dog. And, you know, so many times I'm just kind of thinking about it in the way that they're like, they taking me along for their little while. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, thank you guys for including me. And um, it's it is a it is a lot of fun. Yeah, I run with them a little bit too. I ski with them. I don't really ride with them anymore. They're kind of past that past that uh, peak. But it it was a lot of fun to ride with them too. They're pretty they're pretty cool to just watch on the single track. And if Lola has been on the trail she'll remember every you know she'll remember how the trail is kind of built and where it's heading and she'll cut every switch back and just wait for you at the bottom (laughs) (laughs) ruby not so much not so much she's she's the pretty one (laughs) that's awesome Um, see we need on i'm already walking i don't see the argument i i thank you for your argument, you'll, but you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll, I you'll think love you it. you will change your mind. And if you if you need a practice run, come on to California. No, you can go out for hike with the Vishlas, and you I, know I will, will take that invitation. Oh. But I don't know about the dog. <laughs> we might need to. Well, we might need to. We're gonna get a dachshund, so we might need to bring the dachshund out to hang out with the Vishlas and like learn how they do things, so it can emulate them, not other dachshunds. So there we yeah, go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Just to get them socialized, especially at young mm-hmm. age. <laughs> right. So I'm wondering, you talked a bit about now you're in a bit of a mentoring role. Um, is there anything, you know, you see with, we'll say younger females, like is there anything, you know, with the younger ladies coming up and riding and the state of the sport and stuff, like things that you would, you know, is there an advice you would give or, or things you think should be done differently? Um it's I think in, in general, the environment is is good, you know, because now the opportunities are out there. And as we can see, you know, the equal pay has been pretty common on the mountain bike side for quite some time. Cyclocross is heading that way. Uh, and that's that's all very, like, very exciting, you know, Uh what worries me on personal level is kind of the social element, social media element where these young athletes, uh, and for the right reasons, because there's there's definitely pressure coming from certain sponsors, like to to not just have good results, but also look good and uh, present themselves in a way that will attract more likes or views or things like that and i think that's just like that's a crappy thing to think about because i think our job as professional athletes is to be good athletes and to be good people mm-hmm. and uh you know fight for play be good role models and so i i, I just I just worry about the younger generation kind of looking into this and be so worried about, well, do I, do I have to wear makeup when I'm racing? Do I have to look certain way to be a professional athlete? And like my answer to that is 
no, like just be yourself. And if that's what makes you happy, then that's what you do. But, you know, like make sure you focus on what the sport is all about and it should be about, which is riding bikes and being good athletes and all of that. So that, that kind of worries me, but I hope like people maybe find good good role models on both ends you know like mm-hmm. i said like if you if you're really into into bringing that element uh, of you know like fashion or look or something then that's that's definitely your you can do that like you nobody can tell you no you can't not do that but also like i hope there's athletes that just like highlight the the fact that it is it is okay just to be an athlete and be a good athlete. And like, I'm so jealous of all the guys, you know, because most of them, they just get judged on their performance, you know, and Mm -hmm. of that athleticism. And, and I think that's the way it should be. Uh, I'm just not really positive that, that that's the way it's, heading with the female athletes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, um, uh, so that kind of worries me a little bit but I also think that the time the time to be a female athlete it's a good it's a good time it's probably the best it's ever been and if uh, if young girls decide to be athletes like uh, like know that it it's possibility and it's exciting. You don't have to be a secretary. You don't have to be this or that. You can be an athlete if you put your mind to it and if you enjoy it and, you know, um, and it's not, it's not an easy job, but it's, it's, it's really fun one. And I, I've certainly enjoyed it for really, 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 really long career. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. I think, I think you're a hundred percent right. I, you know, we've talked about this before, but like, in my opinion, you know, if yeah someone wants to embrace the makeup and fashion and everything like that's totally fine and awesome for them but yeah the idea where it's kind of shifting to like if you want to make a living in the sport you almost have to do that that's where i started having a problem with it mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. the scary yeah. part so. yeah and i you know i like to say that i've never never been asked to do any of that and I'm thankful that I'm you know surrounded by sponsors that are uh respecting what we're what we're here to do and that's Mm -hmm. good but I've I've heard other things and it just kind of uh you know makes me sad not not for myself because I'm kind of past that generation where that's kind of a big big deal you know uh like a you know, like I just look at the young girls that, you know, they, they're trying so, so hard to like be really liked and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, it just must be hard. I mean, uh, being a teenager is hard enough. And yeah. now you like, you kind of escaping the, the standard norms and think, well, I'm going to be an athlete because that's a cool job to do. And now you're like, well, hold on a second. This is the same as everywhere too. else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> now you got to be a model, and now you got to, you know, worry about how you look and if your pictures are perfect and all the, all that stuff out there. And so, it strikes anyway, me, I, your story though, I think is is good. A lot of times, people will ask me like, "Oh, how do I get on Luna team?" You know, and they're they're like fourteen or eleven or nine years old, and it's like, well, 
you know, the, the, you go into a club and you get a store to help you out with a, you know, pro deal on a bike or whatever. And you pedal your bike for this year and next year and the year after, and you learn and you get into this club and that club helps you. And this coach, you know, you start working with this coach and hopefully you develop a good relationship and, you know, 10 years down the road, hopefully mm-hmm. things go well and the Luna team yeah. signs you. But, you know, it, it's that learning to find that adventure and learning to find, you know, the teammate and the club and stuff that, that support you. Um, so, yeah. So, but if you have to try and be, you know, if you're going to try and be a model or something, then probably the Instagram route is the way. But we, we know that that club model and that, you know, hard, uh-huh. hard work over many years is, is the way to the, the gold medal, right? And I think that's, it, it gets yeah. mixed, it, what the goal is gets mixed up and what the path is. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And like, I, you know, if I have one really thing to kind of take away from my career is that, you know, things don't happen overnight. It's a long process for most of us regular athletes. It's a long process. You know, we've definitely seen those super talented 20 year old that win Olympics and world championships, you know, and, uh, that is very inspiring to see, uh, but most athletes, you know, it's it's really really long road ahead, and it will require a lot of patience and a lot of hard work. And uh, you know, it's funny because I have a lot of younger athletes come up to me and be like, "Oh my God, you're so like calm and composed, and you never seem to crash, and you." you're doing so well in every event and how how are you doing it? And I'm like, well, like 15 years of quite the opposite. You know, so it, it has taken me a really long time to get to the place that I, you know, I enjoy, but I, I think big part of my success is the fact that I finished a lot of seasons. Um, unhappy you know and I don't say like unhappy like you know like in a bad way but like not happy with my own progress and results and that's been that's been the driving force to my success you know I I feel like if I did have that success in my early 20s like that that would be really hard and it's been interesting to watch these young girls that you know they they do win everything in their twenties and next thing you know, they're depressed, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, is it, is it depression or is it just like what the rest of us are dealing with? Like that fact (laughs) that you like, put your your head down, you know, get over it and keep working. And if everything goes well, maybe you win that one world cup or two, or it's going to feel amazing, you know? So it's, it's kind of, it's hard to say, but I definitely have, uh, I've been able to like turn those sad, bummer kind of not very successful events into kind of that fuel that kept, you know, like kept burning in the off season and and eventually made me a better, better, stronger, more accomplished athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think some people find that, that perspective tough that like, well, you were fifth, you know, that's an amazing result. But, you know, and even in the World Cup, you want to, you know, there's probably things you always know, oh, I screwed up and dabbed here or, you know, I, I messed up 
my placing or I didn't hit my pedal. And there's always something in that performance that you know you can practice, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always things you can work on. And, you know, and like you say, yeah, it's not like, it's not very inspiring approach to like talk to somebody who's like in their early 20s and be like, it's okay, be patient. In 10 years, it's all going to work out. <laughs> yeah. You'll win one bike no, race but... that people remember for one day and then it'll be over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it and I didn't want to hear it, but I really enjoyed the journey, you know, and I think that's the that's the big part of it. You can't just focus on that end result like I want to be this. I want, you know, like it's good to set goals and it gets good to work towards them, but it's also like good to know that you know what, like some days just riding your bike whether it's your dog or your best friends or you know, whatever it it might be a lot better than the than the race you end up winning, you know. Because I have, I, I have to admit, like I I won a lot of races, but the ones that I I didn't win, I didn't like reach my expectations or desires or the goals. Like those stuck around a longer with me. That the sadness or disappointment stuck along like around a longer than than the races you win you know you win the race and you're like oh great awesome who tomorrow move on there's mm-hmm. another race kind of thing you mm-hmm. know so it's uh yeah it's once again it's just kind of like the end result is not is not everything and for me it's also been like i really enjoy it like i don't i like to i like to win races but i don't like all that comes with it like if there's your interviews with me that's fine you know <laughs> I don't have to talk about myself that's okay but <laughs> right uh, it can't be everything there has to be something i appreciate you guys were interested in sorry i do appreciate that and then hopefully some of your listeners will as well <laughs> i was gonna say as someone that's interviewed you probably a hundred times in the last 10 years <laughs> <laughs> actually getting probably pretty close to that now that I'm thinking about it. A lot of cyclocross races. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's been uh yeah, it's 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 been a lot. <laughs> it's been good, good run. Yeah. All right. Well, we've taken up enough of your time. Uh now that we know your views on interviews. Yeah, geez, um, let's just hang up right now. <laughs> where can people find you on the social media that you you love so much? Where where can they find uh, you on the internet? I I am finally part of that world. It took me a long time. I'm still not on Facebook. Uh, probably never will be. However, there is a Facebook page that is uh, managed by a friend of mine from my hometown. Nice. Uh, I think it's just Katarina Nash, I believe. There's a good photo gallery periodically updates. Uh, but for Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Katka Nesh, and that's K-A-T-K-A-N-A-S-H. Awesome. Perfect. And then we'll have to bring a dachshund out to Tahoe one of these days, and before then, we'll have to drink some amounts of wine, for sure. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you over in Europe. <laughs> uh, sounds good. You guys have a safe travel. And, you uh, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about dogs. Like, next time, let's do more about dogs because you'll have better perspective exactly <laughs> all right peter, will... peter can wait yep yep <laughs> all right. awesome all right we'll see you in denmark take care thank you guys right. bye, <laughs> bye katarina 
Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.